Hello, everybody. This is Father Bryce Sibley. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, ordained in the year 2000. I've actually been a priest now for just about 20 years, and for the past 10 years, I've been serving as the pastor and chaplain over at Our Lady of Wisdom Church and Catholic Student Center on the campus of the Louisiana, the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Uh, and probably for the past 15 years, I've had the great blessing and honor to be able to do retreats over the Sacred Heart Retreat House with the Carmelite Sisters. And so I was very happy to say yes whenever Sister asked me to, to do this virtual retreat during this Easter season. Um, and so very happy to have everybody joining um, over MP3 or over however you choose to listen to these recordings. Um, I'm really hoping that this retreat, which will go over the course of the next several days, there'll be five talks, um, will sort of be more of a conversational style. Uh, I had time to put together notes and general thoughts, but something a little bit less formal that can really help us enter into the mystery of Easter and our Lord's resurrection. And so there'll be five talks, each about a half an hour each, and hopefully I'll give you some homework or things to meditate on after each talk so that you're able to do something or sort of enter into prayer a little bit better before the next talk and towards the end of the retreat. And so as I was thinking about a topic for our time together for this retreat, uh, I decided to do something or focus on a topic that I talked about during the Easter Triduum. During my time as a priest and as a pastor, I always look forward to the Easter Triduum in order to be able to sort of use it as a little mini retreat for parishioners and those who attend the different liturgies. And I also always try to have a theme, something that I focus on, something that I preach about, uh, that sort of is unifying to all of the different liturgies. And so this year, as a result, I think of prayer and sort of certain inspiration, I landed upon the theme of home. Home. Um, it really was shocking to me once I sort of came up with this theme and began looking at the scripture readings and the different things we celebrate during the Triduum, how home is a thread that really runs through every single day and every single liturgy. And so first of all, like the Holy Thursday, where was the Passover first celebrated? It was celebrated in homes with families. The home is that safe place uh, that the family would gather. And if you stayed there and you had the blood of the lamb on your door, the angel of death would pass over. And then on Good Friday, whenever Jesus gives Mary to John and John to Mary, what does it say? It says that from that day on, Mary, John took Mary into his home. Now we're going to spend a lot of time looking exactly what that's about. And then finally, Jesus, you know, once he is resurrected from the dead, he does so in order to open the door for us to enter into heaven, which is the Father's house. We're welcome there. It's, it's our home. Heaven is our true home. But it's that central mystery, that mystery of John welcoming Mary into his home that I want to focus on during the course of this retreat. So it's going to be about the home, but trying to understand more of what it means to welcome someone into your home, and specifically from there, John chapter 19, what Jesus was talking about or what the, the, the author was talking about. And so John chapter 19, Jesus, of course, is on the cross. 
and talks to Mary and John and said, you know, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. And there is Jesus, of course, because he is the firstborn son, leaving his mom, who is a widow, alone. John becoming the son of Mary, he is sort of given that task to provide for and take care of Mary. But at the end, when it says that John brought Mary into his home, that's the, the, the English translation. I'm no Greek scholar, but from what I've read, that term there is actually idia, that John brought Mary into his things, into his own self, into his own being, sort of his spiritual center. And so it's more than just Mary moved into his house. She came into, I would say, his heart, even though that's not the exact translation. And so that's the theme that I want to talk about today. Yes, home, but our hearts are the heart as a home. A home for others, a home for Jesus, a home for God. And, and so I think it's such an appropriate topic as we um, are in a time of this great uncertainty, a time of so much anxiety and fear where we feel unsafe, that, that home becomes a place where we can find security, that we can find love, and that we can find peace. And so before we begin our explorations over the course of the next several days, I want to talk today primarily of really sort of analyzing, reflecting on what does it mean to say that a heart can be a home? Yeah, John's heart, we're going to explore this more, uh, specifically that mystery, but our hearts, because uh, our hearts are also called to be homes for others. And how do we welcome others? And how are we welcomed into the hearts of others when they become a home for us? And so I think first we need to spend some time reflecting upon and praying about what is a home? Now, of course, we know a house is a physical structure, but a home is more than that. It is a place, sometimes a physical structure, but it can also be something more spiritual. It could be a heart. I think it's probably outside of a house or a physical structure. It's most commonly used uh, as a way of explaining a heart as a home for others. And we sort of intuitively know what a home is. It's a place where we are welcomed, where we can rest, we can find refuge and safety, particularly from the darkness and the chaos of the outside world. That's what Ratzinger talked about, that Passover taking place in the home as a refuge from the chaos and the disorder and the darkness and death outside in the world, particularly on the night of Passover. And so when we go into a home, we feel welcomed, and we feel loved, we feel embraced. And we're not worried about all of the danger and the chaos outside. Um, and of course, as a result, I mean, to a great degree, home is associated with family and with loved ones. Normally, we say we're going home. That's where our biological family is. But it can be something bigger than that. We can find homes in other people's domiciles. We can find it in other people's hearts. During the course of the Holy, Holy Week, Jesus enters into Jerusalem, but every night before the night of the Passover, Jesus actually went to Bethany to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
That's where his feet were anointed. So Bethany becomes sort of this, this home, this place of rest and refuge for Jesus. And so Bethany may be a word that we use over the course of the retreat uh, to describe the heart as a home, as another Bethany. And that's inspired by St. Elizabeth the Trinity, the great Carmelite mystic and saint, who sort of described her own heart as a Bethany, as a place of rest and refuge for Jesus. And so our hearts are called to be homes. Our hearts are called to be Bethany's for Jesus, of course, but also for others. But what then, we know what home is. What then is a heart? Well, of course, we're not talking about sort of the physical organ in your body that pumps blood and keeps, you know, the, the body alive. Nor are we talking about it as sort of the seat of emotions. Um, but it really becomes in scripture, and I think in common parlance, a symbol of our essence, the core of our being, who we are at the center of our existence. And so the heart is the place where if we let someone into our hearts, we're letting them into the most intimate part of our being. And so, yes, in there, there is intellect, there is will, there is spirit, there is soul. Um, it's a very, very beautiful and poetic term and one that is used a lot uh, in Scripture to talk about the renewal of the heart, uh, the gift of purity of heart. And it's one of those terms that we all sort of, I think, intuitively know what it means. Um, but it does speak to the center or the core or the heart of our very being. And so it's common to use this sort of description of the heart as a home. Uh, the, the core of our being, the center of our souls as a, a place of refuge as a place of safety, but most importantly as a place of love, because the heart is usually associated with love more than romantic love or emotional love, that really willing and choosing the good for the other person, of wanting to protect them, of wanting to give ourselves for them. And so our hearts are called to be homes for other people, that we're supposed to open up the space to welcome others, to, to love others, not just by giving them things, but by really in our very beings and our existence to let them know that they're loved, to let them know that they are safe from the chaos of the world, that the heart can become a place to rest. Because it's one of the things that I've really seen in my ministry, that one of the core longings that we have, and I do a lot of work with young people, uh, and particularly college students today, is a desire for safety, a desire for security. And particularly in a world that's so chaotic, and particularly in the world which is so chaotic now, um, in the world with coronavirus and the shutdowns and the economic and sort of physical turmoil, we can often be wrought with a sense of fear and anxiety because we, we don't feel safe. We, we don't feel secure in the world that surrounds us. And so we're looking for some sort of security. And quite often that, that insecurity leads to a lot of overthinking and worrying about the future and, of course, the anxiety that comes with it. 
But if we can find a home, we can find a place of rest, then hopefully we can find a greater sense of security and a lot of that anxiety can pass away. And so, yes, hopefully a lot of people are finding it when they are now in their stay-at-home orders, in their houses, in their homes. But of course, it's more important and more lasting to be able to find that sense of safety, that sense of security, that sense of rest in the heart of another. Because it is when we feel loved, when we feel at home, because of, I guess, home sort of tied to the idea of family, that we really come to know our identity. And for me and my own preaching and talking, this idea of identity is so important. Now, our core identity as, as Christians, baptized into sons and daughters of the Father. God is our loving Father who, who wants to be with us who wants to welcome us home, and who truly loves us, and who is truly proud of us. He's not some sort of distant monarch, or he's not some sort of a tyrant who's always there looking to judge us and to, to grade us on how good we are doing. And so when we come to know the Father's identity, when we enter into his heart, into his home, we come to have a deeper security. We're living under his gaze. We're living in his identity. So there are, of course, a lot of metaphors that can be used to describe this. Living under the gaze of the Father, living in the heart of the Father, uh, finding, uh, living in his house, in the home, uh, as we see in the, the parable of the prodigal son. But even though certainly God and his, his being, his heart is our true home, which we'll talk about a little bit later, here on earth, the heart of others are supposed to be our homes and that we have a responsibility because of our love for our brothers and sisters that we're called to, to create and make our heart a home for others. And so how do we know, I guess, in a certain sense, you know, who do we do that for? Our heart needs to be open to love all. But if we go back to the Gospel of John um, in that passage, we see that Jesus gives Mary to John and then gives John to Mary. And this is something that, since I was pointed to it several years ago, has been a real important part of my own preaching and meditation, is this idea of givenness. And so after John Paul II died, I think a year or two after, uh, they were doing some digging through some of his files, and they found a reflection, a meditation that he did on this topic of givenness, which is, if you read it, is really sort of a, a summary or a condensation of Theology of the Body. He actually wrote it back in the mid-90s, but it wasn't found until much later. And he talks about this reality that he's seen in his own life, and he believes that something contained in Scripture and overall in the spiritual life, that God gives other people to us, and that we are given to other people whether it be to family or to friends, or as a priest to parishioners, or possibly your patients are given to you if you are a doctor, and that we need to recognize that others are given to us, and we need to be able to receive that gift, and to be able to, to, to show love, to be able to protect, that also with that gift there's a great task that's given. And so the greatest evidence I think we see of it in the Gospels is John and Mary. They are given to each other. Uh, they become a gift to each other, not simply that they're giving themselves to each other, but it's something that Jesus enacts. 
And in all of our lives, the Lord has given us other people. And our ultimate duty, our ultimate charge is to create a home for them in our heart, to be able to love them. It doesn't mean that our heart can't be open to everybody, but we all know that certain people are given to us, particularly our, our spouse or our children as a priest, the parishioners that we have. But we do often have a preference for other people. Jesus had a preference for John and for his mother and for Peter and for James. It doesn't mean he necessarily loved the others less. Maybe theirs was a greater capacity. But he loved them in a very unique way and created a home for them. And so in the same way, there are going to be certain people that we don't love exclusively, but we do have a preference for that have been given to us. And we are called to receive them into our own homes. And so with that, that topic of givenness comes sort of the other topic that's tied to it is the theme or the topic of receptivity. And so if someone or something is given to us, we are called to receive it. And if we are given to someone else, we are called to allow ourselves to be received. And I know for, for most people, they say it is much harder to receive than to give. If I'm giving of a gift, like a present to you, or giving of myself to you, then in a certain sense, I have control over that. But if I am going to receive a gift, there's a certain vulnerability there. It's a little bit more difficult. But it's almost, even well, certainly not almost, certainly more difficult whenever we ourselves become the gift and others want to receive us, others want to love us, others want to embrace us. And this sort of allowing ourselves to be received is much more difficult. But yet, it is the key to prayer. It's the key to the spiritual life. And it's the key to forming our identity. Um, and this is the phrase that I actually did a Lenten mission on this year in order to describe what is prayer, looking at how to go deeper in prayer. Probably the best definition I have ever heard is that prayer is letting yourself be loved by God. It's letting ourselves be loved, loved by God, loved by the saints, and ultimately loved by other people. And so letting yourself be loved means letting yourself be received, letting yourself be embraced. It's so difficult for us because so often we can feel that insecurity, that fear of being vulnerable. What if we're going to be rejected? What if we're going to be looked down upon? What if we are going to be hurt? But it is the real key to knowing the heart as a home, particularly others' hearts as a home. We're going to try to balance this out over the course of our time together of how to allow ourselves to be received and to be welcomed into the homes of others, the hearts of others, but also how we can learn to create that space in our own hearts where we can welcome other people. But recognizing that challenge, the challenge of receptivity. Um, it's funny though, you know, we as humans have a really, really difficult time um, allowing ourselves to be received. And here's a perfect example. Let's say that, that we're struggling and we need some help. 
it's so difficult for us to reach out to others and say, can you help me? Because we, we don't want to be a bother or they're going to be too busy with whatever they're doing. And sometimes that, that, that help is in the form of, of being heard, of being listened to. And so we would love to call a friend and say, hey, I just want to call and talk. I got some stuff I need to, 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 to speak about. I need someone to listen to me. And even though we, our friends would be happy to listen to us, we feel hesitancy in doing it, like somehow we're going to be a bother or a burden to them. There's something that I was reflecting on even more during this time of crisis, where there's people who are suffering and dying, and some of them alone in hospital rooms, that yes, they want to be heard and listened to, but alone, sometimes they just want another person to be where there with them at their bedside during the time of trial, and how we, our greatest desire or our greatest need is just to be loved, just to be accepted, um, to be received, to have a, a heart, to have a home where we just can rest. And it's so difficult. I mean, if you think it's hard to call up someone and ask for help or call up someone and ask to, to have them listen to you, imagine calling up someone and saying, listen, I just need someone to be with, someone uh, to be silent with, someone who doesn't need anything from me. Uh, so often we go through our days and people need this or need that from us in order to just be loved and just be received. That's something that we all desire because we're all looking for love and we are looking to know that we're loved. And the greatest isolation and the greatest sort of alienation is to, to, to not feel love and to be rejected or to refuse love in our own lives, in our own existence. And so we are looking for love, but we're really looking for a home. And we can find homes, and we need to find homes in the hearts of other people, but knowing that their hearts, um, is, as C.S. Lewis says, are, are not permanent residences. They're inns along the way as we move towards our ultimate destination, our ultimate destination of heaven. It doesn't mean that we say, well, I can't rest anywhere because heaven is my ultimate destination. No, the Lord gives us these hearts as homes, as these gifts, uh, as places of refuge, of places of safety, as places we can know our identity. So in sort of kind of bringing this to a conclusion, what are different types of, of homes? Or where can we find homes in different sorts of hearts? Well, as I said, and the primary one we're going to really analyze is the, the hearts of other people, our family, our friends, our loved ones, the people who are given to us, the people to whom we're given to, the, their hearts can be homes for us, places of safety and refuge from chaos. <clears throat> but if we're going to go to, to what we talked about in the Gospel of John, we can say that Mary's heart, her immaculate heart, is our home. Um, we can extend this analogy and I think it is important in saying that different hearts have different sizes and different capacities. Uh, some homes may be like little apartments. And then some, like Mary's, are these infinite mansions where so many people can be welcomed. And we'll explore this as we learn to love more and to conform our hearts to the hearts of Christ. Our hearts can expand um, and create space for other people. 
And so Mary's heart was a heart for John, a home for John, but it can be a home for us. And this is something that I never really noticed before that I want to bring up. If you go to John chapter 20, the resurrection after Peter and John rush to the tomb and they see the, the tomb empty and the face cloth and the shroud, it says in, in verse 10 that they both return to their homes. It's interesting. Now, they don't use the word for house itself, but it uses sort of like they return to their own, their own selves, their own places. And so while Peter would have returned to his own home where his mother-in-law would have been, I think an argument can be said because it follows from John chapter 19 that John would have returned to his home, to Mary, because he would have had his home in her heart too. There was a mutual givenness there in order to tell Mary what he had seen. Now, I'm going to conjecture that, of course, while he was gone, Jesus went to talk to Mary, and Mary would have already known it. But for John, Mary's heart was a home, and because we are all disciples of Christ, we can find our home in Mary. But we're going to expand that even more, that Jesus' heart, his pierced heart, is our home. And, and, and that, that hole in his heart, that, that, that becomes our entrance into the refuge for sinners, into the place of purification, into the heart that is the sacrament or the reflection of, the participation in the heart of God our Father. And so in his heart, we see the Father's heart, because in Christ, we see the Father. He is the image. He is the icon of the Father and his love to all of us. And so we're going to be talking mostly about the hearts of other human beings and human persons who are also going to really focus and try to focus on the heart of Christ and the heart of the Father and how we need to find our homes there and how our own homes can become, uh, our hearts can become a home for Jesus and for the Father and the Spirit, particularly through the grace of baptism and indwelling Trinity. And so what we're going to do over the course of the, the next several talks is we're going to sort of look at some of the struggles that we face in entering the, the heart of others whenever their heart is open to welcome us. Why are we so hesitant to enter in, to allow ourselves to be received, allowing ourselves to find refuge there? And why do we so often feel like orphans, um, abandoned, and unwilling to enter into the heart, kind of like that older son who was invited to the father's house, which was technically his house. We might explore that a little bit later, uh, but very, very hesitant to be able to enter into it. Um, and so we're going to also talk about learning how to do it. And we realize this is a struggle. What are some practical ways that we can learn to uh, allow ourselves to be welcomed and received into the hearts of other people? And, of course, throughout, to be able to look how we can make our own hearts home for others. Um, what we can do to purify it, what we can do to increase it and make more space for other people. Um, particularly, again, so during this time of trial where so many people are, are wondering, where is God? And there's so much anxiety that we can help create in our own hearts homes and places of safety and refuge from the chaos and the darkness. So, as I said before, I'd like to try to give everybody homework mm. at the end of each of our talks, something to reflect upon. So the, the first is to really spend some time meditating on John chapter 19 
and 20, um, particularly those passages I alluded to, um, the part where Jesus gives Mary and John to each other, and uh, that, that line, uh, John chapter 20, verse 10, whenever Peter and John leave the empty tomb, if the tomb is not a home, it was not a home for Jesus, it's empty, and they return to their own homes. And what does that mean? But then also spend some time in asking your own self, like, what, what is, wh where is our home? What do we consider a home? And are there the hearts of any other people that we really do consider a home? And what are some of the traits and characteristics there? And why do we allow ourselves to be welcomed and to be loved? And to also finally looking at what are some of our own struggles? What are our hesitancies in allowing ourselves to be welcomed and allowing ourselves to be loved by other people? And so we're going to sort of, in the next talk, look at that. Look at some of those struggles, um, some that maybe you have or maybe some you haven't thought of, um, and why it make it so difficult to allow ourselves to be loved, to allow ourselves to be received by others. And so know that uh, both I and the sisters are going to be praying for you over the course of this retreat. And, you know, as weird and surreal as it is, I want, I want to encourage you to really try to enter into the mystery. If you have the chance to pray with the sisters online, do so. Um, just take some time for quiet uh, and to reflect during the course of your day and to really, really, really pray for that grace of allowing your own heart to be a home for others to be a home for Christ. And so we'll close with a glory be. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. God bless, and I look forward to being with you uh, next time.